Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have an Oscar race checkpoint episode for you all today. It's a, it's a breaking news episode cosplaying as an ORC, because this was supposed to be news that broke last Thursday, but as we recorded this now on Tuesday, uh, or is it Monday? Look, time doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> we all know that. We're still in quarantine here in the Northeast, but it's not Thursday anymore. Of that, I can guarantee you, but we do have breaking news from the Academy after a long weekend. I am your co-host, Mike One. Also, Mike is here to tell you more about that. Yeah, the quarantine is good for something because we can jump on breaking news stories without <laughs> affecting right. our lives too much. Uh, the, yeah, the Oscars postponed to April 25th. Kudos to Scott Feinberg, Ann Thompson, Pete Hammond, Mark Malkin. We've been voraciously reading mm-hmm. all of their work in the last half hour. We'll present some of it to you guys today. That is the big story that's going to be at top of the episode. Then we'll kind of play a little catch-up because we had some big stories from last Thursday's Academy, You know, their Board of Governors meeting then a bunch of initiatives 10 best pictures and then we'll uh we'll kind of get to tenant another story just dropped out of the new york times and slash film and a bunch of movies have already shuffled around the release date calendar i think that's only the tip of the iceberg i think that's going to happen a lot now you know what's weird is last summer we thought we were working our balls off because we were doing a bunch of rewatch series and doing deep dives into research and all this stuff. And like, how could it be possibly more work? And then this summer, there's no movies and all there is is news to cover. Like the the, the entertainment world just keeps turning and it keeps churning out new headlines that we got to be on top of. And there's going to be much more like much like every film festival is going, should we move? Should we not move? Should we move? Should we not move? Every, every award show, all the dates are going to shift. It's going to be bizarro world. And then there's going to be a few outliers like we're not moving we're european we don't move for you we don't care (laughs) the long-running grudge between also mike and french cinema is something that builds momentum with every passing episode but yeah that's the top story let's start this oscar race checkpoint this orc off like mike said the oscars have officially announced that they are going to move their date they were scheduled to be february 28th of 2021 instead they will now take place on april 25th what are some of the specifics there michael yeah the ceremony is going to be held at the Dolby Theater at Hollywood and Highland Center in Hollywood and will air live on ABC, uh, which uh, Scott Feinberg in his article said is probably a rejection of the possibility of a pre-taped and or a virtual gathering. And this is five days, Michael, before the opening of the Academy Museum. So I don't think that's an accident either. They'll have a gala the weekend before the Oscars on April 17th and, or the, you know, eight days before the Oscars there. And then they'll open up the big doors of that beautiful new museum five days after the Oscars when uh, they're, you know, on everybody's radar. Imagine if the museum is just, they open the doors and it's just like a wild E. Coyote. There's just a brick wall built in front of the doors and it's not a museum at all. It's just a front You've anyway. seen the pictures just as well as I have. <laughs> Why was that the meta joke that came in? It's not even a meta joke. I don't, I don't know, know what that is. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. But so this is the big story. We got a hint of this. And the reason we actually released our King of Staten Island OSP on Sunday evening like we did is because this story leaked out. Thanks to Mr. Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, there was a Board of Governors meeting last Thursday. We expected and we kind of hinted there was big news. We expected to come out Thursday and the big news was going to be the official change of date that's what all signs were pointing to uh we were a little surprised when that news didn't drop sunday evening news leaked out that there was going to be like an emergency board of governors zoom meeting that they all hop on today monday the 15th to straighten this out and pick a new date uh the first leak of this story said that the academy was considering a date move anywhere up to the next eight weeks, which meant that there were other dates that were being considered. But after Mike and I talked, uh, hearing this news and reading the article from Scott Feinberg last night on Sunday evening, the 25th, if you look at the calendar of live events, 
assuming everything stays static as it is right now, which is a grand assumption because it's not going to, but all right, let's live in that fantasy land for a minute. The 25th of next April is really the only Sunday around that time frame in which the Oscars would have the entire weekend to themselves in terms of coverage and marketing. Because if you go any earlier in April, you're dealing with the NCAA tournament, you're dealing with WrestleMania, which you know Vince McMahon is going to want to blow out after having nobody at their live mania this year. Uh, you're dealing with other award shows, obviously. We're going to talk about this moving of the Academy Awards will affect other award shows coming up in this episode. If you moved it any later than the 25th, you're running head-to-head with the NFL Draft. You got the Kentucky Derby weekend, which shares its weekend with usually a huge UFC and or boxing match takes place that first weekend in May. So there wasn't a lot of wiggle room if they were going to move it any other place, but other than the eight weeks out in which they are now moving it, uh, as far as current conflicts with the 25th, Really, the only big conflicts, yes, if MLB is still playing, who knows what's going on with that entity. That's a whole different story we could talk about. But if MLB is playing their 2021 season, they'll have to deal with that. But that's not going to take away much eyes from the Oscars. Uh, ABC, who was in on this call and is has agreed to air this live now in 2021, as they have been in our under contract with the Academy, you would think they're going to have the Academy's best interest at heart in the biggest competition if all schedules remain static right now for the Oscars, would probably be the NBA playoffs, which would just be in their infancy. Uh, But ABC's got the NBA playoffs contract for the most part, too. So they are obviously going to keep their slate clean uh, for the Oscars to shine there on that Sunday in April. Now, again, the underscoring of that is that none of those schedules are going to remain static, I don't think. The NBA has already talked about moving their season forward and starting later on in the year. The MLB is in their whole world of hurt. Uh, there are other award shows to take into consideration that they're going to have to move. So everything is in flux. I talked to you, Mike, and I said at the outright, at the start of this, I'm a little surprised the Oscars are jumping first before seeing what other live event entities are doing. And I think that entire 17-minute rant is, I think, the opposite. That's why we're good on a show together, I guess. <laughs> because well, it all comes back to me for with this point. Like, the, the film calendar is an ecosystem, and it works a certain way. And if the Oscars moved earlier, they would have allowed everybody else ample time, we think, we hope, to move as well. Now, everybody's scrambling for the most part. Are the award shows, the other award shows like the BAFTAs, like the Golden Globes, etc., are they really going to have a terribly difficult time moving their events? Maybe not. I, I think they'll be able to move, and it seems like there's a lot of certainty in these articles from the experts that they will be able to move. The film festivals, however, is an entirely different story. They seem to have contracts on on all their facilities. They seem to have you know uh, deals in place with the the cities that they live in that they. Yeah. Logistically they, speaking, it's a whole different ball. Game. It's a whole different ball game to the point where can canceled, right? Mm-hmm. And Toronto is saying we're not going to move. And of course, uh, our favorite guy over there in Venice, who we don't know, let's be honest, but he's been notoriously <laughs> stubborn in the past. I'm just glad that the Venice Film Festival, <laughs> Film Festival director is not like in charge and having to fight for dates with the NFL, Roger Goodell and Dana White. Yeah, and all, that wouldn't be good because they're notoriously <laughs> stubborn. So. Moving this back to April 25th, it's been reported all day that, you know, the Academy worked with movie studios talking about when should we move if we move. I mean, they've been in contact with every major major studio. They've been con- in contact with governing bodies in Hollywood and, and Los Angeles talking about when it'll be the safest for them to, to hold these live events, which is what they want to do. And everybody said, basically, move it back as far as you can. So we're going to have a film year that's essentially, you know, uh, 12 months long uh, this particular season. They want to get back to the regular calendar year in the future. This has happened a few times before, Mike. Fun facts Mm -hmm. here. You know, the Oscars were delayed in 1938, 1968, and 1981. I believe in the 30s, Feinberg had reported a while ago when the coronavirus first, you know, hit us that it was like a three or four year change. And they gradually got it back to normal after three or four years. I wonder if that'll happen. But the last time the Oscars were in April or the latest a Best Picture was crowned in April was 1966, the 
Sound of Music on April 18th, the one Best Picture. Yeah, this will now be the latest any Best Picture award has been given out for the in Oscars history. I agree with you in what your point was there, Mike. The Oscars had to be, in terms of the film sphere and all the, everything having to do with anything related to a film schedule, the Oscars had to be the first to move. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, the Oscars versus, say, the NFL, if they were to move the draft and wanted that weekend just for shits and giggles in some fantasy world, I, I was a little surprised to see them move first out of any entertainment ent- entity. But I, I totally, wholeheartedly agree. I think they need to be the first to move just to, so every other film entity, studio, film festival, other award show, whatever, knows what they're kind of aiming towards. And it helps it helps the Oscars maintain the premiership as the leader of the ultimate goal and the ultimate end goal of all things film for the year. So I don't think the Oscars are necessarily worried about the Kentucky Derby or worried about UFC because I don't probably think, not, you know, that you probably don't get a lot of crossover there. Yeah. What you need if you're the Academy Awards is you need the, the dads to casual dads to watch it. You need the casual right. viewer to watch it. And those casual viewers are probably some sports fans. They, they are going to watch the NCAA tournament. They are right. going to watch the Super Bowl. So they are going to watch the NBA playoffs, which will probably be later. It's just, you know, considering that they're going right. to finish off this year sooner, you know, at the end of the summer, maybe. And then next year it's getting delayed to December. So if they play the whole season, which they're going to have to just for profitability reasons, the NBA playoffs are probably not going to be the same like April sweet spot. Right. It'll probably be Agreed. May or June. So th- this might actually work extremely well for the Oscars. And what happens if it does work extremely well, though? I mean, obviously, we know the Academy still worries about ratings for God knows what reason. But anyway, they do worry about ratings and they do still treat them as kind of the end all. And they are a big talking point. What happens if these ratings blow last year's ratings, and the last couple of years ratings out of the water? Then what do you do? I mean, is this just the new fixture point for the Oscars? Well, it would mean a change to the film calendar year. They would have to go from February to February at that point. It, it, would, it would change things like it used to be. And, you know, when I did all the, uh, you know, the release date, best pictures and calculated that, we'll discuss it on our next next quarterly report, add two months. <laughs> because there's no reason to talk about quarter two at the beginning of July now, right? Or quarter three. No. Yeah, so we're, no, it was, we were there. We saw it. Anyway, we'll do that in September. It'll be a quarter three plus, quarter two plus, and then we'll, yeah, anyway, the math is going to be confusing because it's 14 months now. Mike, I think they're going to have to make a change forever if they love it in April. And then what does that do to the 2022 show, which right now is the only contractually set in stone date for any future Oscars after the 2021 show, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We could talk about other schedule changes as well. This from The Hollywood Reporter uh, from today's article talking about the change date. Quote, the submission deadline for general entry categories, among them best picture, original score, and original song, is now January 15th, 2021. The submission deadline for specialty categories, including best animated feature, documentary feature, international feature, animated short, documentary short and live action short is december 1st 2020 all right so here's the big questions i have for you now mike number one what does this mean for the fall film festivals if they're not able to move is this an eight month oscar season which is probably good for us but or does like sundance become the super oscar festival now because that's supposed to happen on january 21st to the 30th what do you think happens to the film festivals? I don't understand the resistance from the film festivals. I guess it has to do with town revenue and all that, but you can still sell subscriptions. But anyway, neither here nor there. I'm, I'm surprised at the resistance of the film festivals right now to embrace the online avenue and the streaming avenues. And I guess they've tried, but they haven't really... No one major festival has gone wholeheartedly. We're doing it in streaming. We're partnering with YouTube. We're going to have major people. We're going to have major interviews. There's been like attempts to kind of basically recover from the inconvenience that COVID has had in their festivals. Then there has been a, a full out press. So the We Are One Festival d- did it on YouTube. That is uh, Tribeca, right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at the numbers, and the numbers aren't great because they, you know, let everybody watch them. Let everybody watch everything. The numbers aren't all that eye-opening so how much are they making on ad revenue not very much how much did uh amazon prime make with the south by southwest film festival especially after all the movies dropped out of that one right well that's what i'm saying so that's what i'm like they haven't been premiere though you know they it's not like they went we're taking our top of the line we're gonna premiere joker 
on YouTube, this YouTube partnership, and it's going to be the first look, and you're going to have to buy a virtual ticket to get in the screening room. That type of thing, I think, could work if they were to be serious about it. Well, if you somehow substituted what the movie would make in theaters, and it'd be like a sneak preview, and, right. and actually overcharge for the ticket, hell, I would have yeah. paid... I would have paid thirty bucks for a ticket exactly. to see Joker yep. online, you know, uh, months in advance, just like you would pay, you know, through the nose to go to a film festival. So right. I think uh, I think that model has to be employed. And they've talked about limits. They've talked about you know allowing only you know people in that city to stream. You know, so you have to actually go to that city because again, they're tied into the tourism factor of it all. So it, it's a long way off. The but the global film festival online. You know, especially streaming for free, that didn't seem to work, even though it no. was a valiant effort. And, you know, I started watching the We Are One Festival. I, I had a bunch of stuff I was I wanted to see after that. But after a day and then all the news dropped with George Floyd, et cetera, I, I didn't go back to it, Mike. I just, right. you know, it, there, there wasn't the imperative there. And they'd have to figure out, I'm sure one of the biggest concerns is how do you stop piracy and how do you stop some jackass online from buying a ticket, getting a virtual copy. You know, that's obviously out there, too. Uh, Do I what do I think will happen with the film festivals? Do I think Sundance will be like this premiere? Like, ideally, yeah, but I don't know if that's going to come to fruition. I I don't think it seems like we're still in the recovery phase right now. And and I don't mean to say that in terms of COVID. I mean to say that in terms of the industry. I think we're still kind of catching up to what we're missing out on. I don't think there's a set plan or anyone's really got a blueprint forward for like what we are certainly going to do. I mean, we're still talking about dates that are changing as far as theater debuts. And those dates are three weeks away now. You know what I mean? So I don't think anyone really knows. My best guess? Yeah, I'd love to live in a world where Sundance is the make or break time for all the Oscars. And I'm sure Sundance would, too. I I don't know. That remains to be seen as to whether or not that's actually going to come to fruition, though. I think we're going to find out what the fall film festivals have in their lineups, you know, over the next coming days. Because if they can move, they probably should move to allow more big hit movies to play mm. there, to allow more people to go there without the mask, without, you know, in a, in a hope that we'll get back to a normal world in the winter. And the fall film festivals becoming the winter film festivals add Sundance to the mix. I mean, that's the best move for everybody economically, I would think, because you get more traffic and you can, you know, perform business as usual and have a normal award season. And you have more movies that can submit. And those more movies could be more big names. And that, again, it's a, it's a cycle. It helps those film festivals. Yeah. How much will they have to eat to logistically move the festival to that spot is it even feasible do that is it is it contractually uh, you know something they can do i i don't know but uh, i'm I, i'm saying right now everybody who could move should move and it was definitely in pete hammond's article on deadline hollywood uh there was a quote in there who's going to stomach uh an eight month award season didn't we just do that last year uh yeah. Look- <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of questions as to what exactly, what, I mean, for as truncated as we felt the award season was last year, because everybody seemed to hold their big debuts and their big players until the last two months, and the last seven weeks of the actual uh, calendar year last year, this one, I, I think it's going to be kind of the same feeling, because it's not like we're dealing with awards contenders right now, and it's not like we're going to be dealing with awards contenders for the next two months, three months anyway. So then what are you talking about? You're talking about the fall. You're talking about a regular kind of award season. You're basically just turning January into a more prominent month for the movie calendar. I think that's all this is doing for 2021 right now. So that's another 2020, 2021, I should say. Yeah, does the trial of the Chicago 7 move off of its September release date and move way back towards right. January? I mean, are we going to see that? Are we going to see an exodus of what was scheduled for the fall? We're going to talk about a few later on in the episode. Move now. I, mean, I think that's inevitable at this point. Uh, I guess I got an- another big question, though, before we do transition here, Mike. What's mm. going to be the vibe at this Oscars? Because we've had Ann Thompson, you know, reporting on this throughout. She thinks there should be a charitable aspect to this award show. She does not think that the whole glitz and glam of the Oscars is necessarily going to fly this year. People are going to be sick of that. They're not going to want to see all these lavish gowns, etc. in this particular case after the inevitable recession if not depression that we're all going to be stuck into so what's going to be the vibe of this year's oscars are we going to get something 
that's scaled back. Is it going to be, it's not going to be Roger Goodell in his base, you know, in his man cave there with a sweater and everybody looks like Mr. Rogers, but maybe we don't have the same red carpet treatment. But wouldn't we all want to see it just live from Guillermo del Toro's house mansion of all those props that he's collected from the movie? We would. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The more I think about it, the longer this COVID thing goes on, especially being so close to New York City like we are and how seriously it's still being treated as there and these spikes that are coming up in these southern states. Texas just had its worst day. California just had its worst three days of COVID this month. I think I read it in one of the articles in the trades. So the more this longer this goes on, the more that makes sense to me to have some sort of fundraising aspect attached to this uh, I pitched here that I think it would it could be a wise thing if for NATO to get tied into it have maybe a telethon going on do what the NFL tried to do for Katrina during their Monday night football game have a couple a list B list stars answering phones maybe get a chance to talk to one of them bullshit for a couple minutes as long as you donate you know twenty five dollars fifty mm. bucks out of your pocket to help and have that money go towards the theater experience because I do think the academy is going to want to underscore the theatrical experience and sell that I tell you what the Oscars can't afford to be uh, and what they're obviously at least setting up a portion of this award show to be. It can't be a three and a half hour love fest for the museum. And look how much great work went into this museum for three and a half hours. And can't you not wait to visit our museum and look how great our museum is. Yeah, you could have a portion of your show dedicated to that because it's been a long time coming, but don't turn it into a infomercial for the Academy Museum. I think that'd be a, a colossal mistake. I am worried that they're going to screw this up PR-wise <laughs> because I, I think they have like the James Dolan problem, the New York Knicks owner, everybody. Mm-hmm. like He just can't not screw it up. However, well, to, look, to be fair to David Rubin and Don Hudson, the president and CEO, in their reign. Well, in they, Rubin's reign, because Hudson's been there for a while. Fair, I, I, fair, again, I don't know the, know the one, but, but in Rubin's time at the helm of this, he is he hasn't walked in too much. Right. Poop. We've praised his decision making more than we've been WTF are you doing, right. even though there have been some WTF moments, no doubt. All right. Well. Let's get into some of the changes they made last week, Mike, because I think we're on board for all of these. Number one, and we kind of talked about it a little bit already, they're going to go to 10 best pictures, a flat 10 at the 94th Academy Awards. That will be the film year 2021, and that will basically be the 2022 Oscars. So not this year, next year. Great. I think that makes sense. I, I, I like it either way, to be honest with you, whether it is a flat 10 or whether we're guessing as to which one gets in. The conversation inevitably is always going to be which was the first film left out anyway. So right now we're just talking about what the 11th film is going to be as opposed to this year we were talking about what the 10th film was. The conversation when those nominations are revealed is always what what got snubbed. How dare you snub it? So I, I, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference in the long run, uh, but it does say that we're getting 10 movies that are going to be able to call themselves best pictures regardless some sneaky big news now mike they're going to implement a quarterly viewing process through their the academy screening room which is their streaming site for academy members i think this is huge news i just watched clemency mike clemency is a movie probably a a, a, a few people went out and saw not mm-hmm. a lot of people saw it. film critics saw it. a lot of people that are in our circle saw it not a lot of other people saw it. It's a great film. It's an Oscar-level film. It's probably better than half of the nominees last year, and yet nobody saw it. Hell, I didn't even see it. Once I knew it wasn't getting the buzz, I didn't see it. And shame on me, right? So now you have a quarterly viewing process for the Academy members in this screening room, and you can have these movies that are that are unseen, that played at every single festival in the world like Clemency did. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that one last Sundance. We can have that on the streaming service and get more eyes on it. So I think the 10th movie in the Best Picture category, this uh, streaming service, these are both ways to get more movies recognized, and hopefully not just movies about white guys by white guys. Right. I mean, that's going to be the thesis statement to that. That's going to be a thesis statement for this whole goddamn section. It can't just be about white guys. Uh, Why wouldn't the Academy monetize this screening room app? Uh, who's not being paid 200 bucks i understand but like and you can distribute the money and i understand there's all kinds of licenses and you got a a legal loophole of whatever just it makes sense but if we would overpay for it right exactly they should then they could but they they're not necessarily looking at diving into that game exactly and they and they don't want to glorify streaming i'm sure as part of it too but to just echo what you said I do think that is the bigger part of that story than just the 10 flat nominees for best picture because it's it 
just by, you know, logic, it's going to allow films to not slip through the cracks and get fall by the wayside. More eyes are going to have to be on them because you would assume Academy members are going to feel less pressure to wait till the end of the year and then fit in as many movies as they possibly can. This will help them keep catch up and be caught up. I think it's a great idea. So that's just the start of the their their changes, Mike, because I think they made a bunch of moves uh, that will in fact, increase diversity and inclusion and, and equality for how they run their business. So let me get through a couple of these up, up top. You'll have some more. They made a task force called Academy Aperture 2025, and they're teaming up with the PGA uh, where industry leaders are going to develop and implement new representation and inclusion standards for Oscars eligibility for or, or by July 31st, 2020. So this is going to be something where a, a task force that that takes a, the broad macro view and, and tries to set new standards for what they're trying to figure out here. My interpretation of that is films aren't going to be allowed to compete for Oscars unless they meet certain requirements with inclusion and diversity behind the scenes and working on the film. Um, if that's the case, that's wonderful. Well, it's it's an inclusion writer built in to right. the awards process and awards are privileges let's be honest so if you're you know if you're a white male production that yeah, just shouldn't anymore. be in not this anymore. world anymore nope, so not anymore right now is that what it's going to get to i don't know we got to wait and see but they're going to report something next july mike we got a lot of dates thrown around in this episode too many <laughs> dates mike the academy will establish an office of representation inclusion and, and equity to oversee the <laughs> So you have an overseer board, and now you have an office overseeing the overseer board. It's, yeah, it's a check and balance, which isn't a bad thing, I think. Okay. They're going to work with the Board of Governors, this office, the Academy staff, and experts to ensure the implementation of best practices and accountability throughout the organization. Let me speak to our Republican listeners. Uh, checks, the system of checks and balances is so one. <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you, though, wholeheartedly, and I just got fire in my belly after what you started to yeah, say. T- taking, a little, taking a little pot shot. I apologize. We'll move on and talk more about Academy Changes. Uh, a lot of these, by the way, coming out of Variety, coming out of IndieWire. Uh, also, Mike did a great job putting this list together, trying to keep us on top of all this, because there is a litany of changes and new boards and dates and all that. So let's talk about uh, the Academy Dialogue, as the Academy will host a series of panels called Academy Dialogue with conversations about race, ethnicity, History, Opportunity, and the Art of Filmmaking, hosted by Academy Governor Whoopi Goldberg. Mike, we've seen these roundtable discussions, these uh, town halls work on on a grand scale on CNN, etc. right now with the issues we're going through as a country. This is essentially a, a PR event as well, and I don't think it should hide from that fact. We need these conversations out there, and this is a public face on a lot of these you know, behind the scenes initiatives that we need. Scott Feinberg. And I know we're bringing his name up a lot, but that's what you do when you have a God that you pray to at night. <laughs> uh, he, he said this in this article today, and I'm paraphrasing it cause I don't have it in front of me to read from exactly, but he said how the Academy has been known for its history to it, try to be a political and try to be in the middle of the road and not fall into the, you know, buy into the liberalism trap and being all liberal and blah, blah, blah. And they've reversed course starting this year, especially, I mean, it truly started with the Oscars. So white backlash, which was completely righteous in its indignation, but they started to make more of an effort to be more diverse and be more inclusive. And they really, this year when the black lives matter protests started up, they made a point to put out a post. And even though Ava DuVernay, and David Oyelowo shouted them down for their treatment of Selma. The subtext of their t- tweet back to David Oyelowo was, you're right, we fucked up. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the, what they were saying. They were owning it, and they were said, yeah, we hear you. That was our bad, essentially. So they weren't denying that it ever happened, which was kind of a, a striking moment for me. I think you're right. You can't just sit idly by and sit on the sidelines and hope the world passes you by anymore. Not in the age of social media, not in the age of these bullshit racial issues that are still going on in 2020 as if it's the 1960s all over again. Mm. You have to be on the side. There is right and wrong in these circumstances. So good for the Academy, again, for getting off the sidelines, even though it did take until 2020. What the fuck? But hey, good for you for finally showing a little progress and choosing a side and having it be the side of good here. If they didn't, Mike, if they didn't do this first set of initiatives, and we got a couple more, and if they did not change the calendar 
to allow these initiatives to or at least allow the spirit of these initiatives to work through the normal film calendar ecosystem type of year, right? Yeah. Then what were you going to be let left with for an Academy Awards this year? You're going to be left with News of the World, The Trial of the Chicago 7, yeah. you know, films t- 3, 4, 5, 6 by white guys. I looked yeah. at the release schedule and there is not a high profile film directed by uh, a female director, directed by an African American director. It's just not there. I mean, yeah, and you can stretch and say Wonder Woman 1984, Black Widow, but to say those are Oscar contenders, at least right. in terms terms of the buzz that's reaching that's absolutely reaching the the harsh reality of the situation is white guy directors are given the most money they're given all the money in, in this particular film year look at look at every major release uh that is going to contend for an oscar quote unquote to contend for an oscar all right so yeah you're gonna have some blockbusters developed uh and directed by female filmmakers this year, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna attend at the Oscars. What you need is the ecosystem to get those smaller movies a chance to build momentum at festivals everywhere, however they're gonna try and build momentum this year. It'll be definitely different after what we've gone through with the coronavirus, etc. But you need them to give them time to find their audience. To find their champions in the media and then to find their audience with regular people because popular pressure, like it did many years, almost every year, the box office tells that fact. Green Book makes a ton of money at the box office. It helps its best picture campaign. Obviously, Parasite, you can can say the same thing. It's beloved everywhere. That Mm. puts pressure on the Academy to vote for the right movie. Yeah, uh, amen to everything you just said. And I'm also tired of already seeing the counter argument of what do you mean the Academy has to be political? Why do they have to choose sides? They just voted Parasite as the best picture winner. There's obviously no issues of racism within the Academy. Like, you, you don't follow it, obviously. Right. You just don't. You That's just, that's ignorance talking. And that's not, I mean, that you get more educated and you will see these issues are plain as day that they're still happening. We, were heading, news. we were heading into an Oscars so male just absolute crash course this year. Uh, we may still be, we, by the way. We could, but I mean, at least there's a chance now for right. other films to, to rise up. And we previewed a ton of these before. Chloe Zhao's movie, The Eternals, is now going to fit into this you know natural barrier of February 28th now. I'm sure a lot of the smaller films that are unfortunately directed by women because they don't get big budgets. And, you know, you get, all right, fine. You got Spike Lee with some good momentum right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to carry all the way through. You just need more time for these smaller films directed by female directors and minority directors to give them time to build momentum. Yeah, uh, your lips to God, to the Academy God's ears anyway. And we can talk about another initiative here called Academy Gold. Academy Gold is an industry talent development, diversity, and inclusion initiative with a focus on underrepresented communities to provide individuals access and resources to achieving their career pathways in filmmaking. This is taking a, a page right out of the different film festivals' books. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the director's laboratory we keep hearing about at Sundance and various other film festivals. This is pretty much what they're doing, and it's about time the academy does something like this as well it feels like they've adopted one of their newest members we'll talk about her in a minute ava mm-hmm. duvernay's stances and how she shepherded so many you know new filmmakers into the business new filmmakers that would have been ignored decades prior so it's a good thing and they're, and they're not stopping there though mike because they have action the academy women's initiative which includes member focused global events designed to connect and empower women in, fil- in the filmmaking community the initiative also includes the academy gold fellowship for women which Love funds that. an annual grant for female fil- filmmakers beginning their careers so, okay, these are all great steps. They sound well. They're, they're well-intentioned, I think, I hope, and they sound nice on paper. Now get minorities to run them. Get women to run them. Don't put a reg- another white guy in charge of all these efforts. I mean, get people that have, have, that have relatable life experiences that have fought these battles firsthand and fought these persecutions firsthand. I mean, that's, that would be my lone shot of advice to all this because I really do like how this all looks and sounds on paper. Oh, on paper, it sounds great. The problem is like every single female you know, member of the Academy has got to be involved now because there's not enough of them. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, that, yeah, it's that's what sick, we keep talking, talking about. But yeah, I mean, they were bragging last week. We got on them for it. Oh, we have 26 people now out of 54. Great. 
great. It's still not parody. It's not even close. And uh, it, it, fine. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to get on that soapbox. Mike, they also have the Academy International Inclusion Initiative. Now, the Academy has been pushing up international films over the last few years. And mm-hmm. all of those measures have worked. They have worked. Roma had more success than than any other international film in, in history in terms of nominations. Parasite became the first international film to win the the best picture oscar so obviously this is working uh, over the last few years and now they have made this initiative that is going to bring together a global community of artists by establishing long-term relationships with international film festivals and cultural exchange programs with established and emerging filmmaking communities so you got a you know essentially a olive branch effort olive, olive branch initiative like to again find more talent and cultivate that talent yeah, this is a joke that I'm going to say, but most people would think the Academy is doing this because it's the right thing to do. But I know the truth is that they're just minding their P's and Q's because Mama Ava is about to enter the building. Because, Mike, uh, we have another story about the Academy electing new Board of Governor members, and they have also made changes to those governors' term limits and training. Yeah, Ava DuVernay highlighted uh, and headlined six new Board of Governor members. You have uh, 153 Members of the Academy ran for these offices. Brett Ratner was included there, but he did not get in. Thank God. God. Whoopi Goldberg, Larry Karaszewski, they were among 10 names reelected. And yes, they have a record of women, 26 now, and people of color, 12 out of the 54. So I I think I was preparing this story last week and getting mad at it. And then I just referenced a few minutes ago, but I referenced a few minutes ago like we talked about it last week, but I prepared it last week. Anyway, I'm still mad. It's not the first Mike, Mike and Oscar segment that's required time travel. So I think you're fine there. Uh, Secondly, yeah, it's another one of these. Look, 26 people of color, 12 on the board of governors of 54. uh, uh, Okay, really good. Good job at having new record highs. Keep going. Keep going. It's, it's 2020. We should be closer to equal by now, like you've said. Uh, the board, As far as term limits go, the Board of Governors' term limits will now be two three-year terms. They can be consecutive or non-consecutive. Those must be followed by a two-year hiatus, after which eligibility renews for up to two additional three-year terms for a lifetime maximum of 12 years. So you can serve back-to-back three-year terms, uh, but now you have to have a minimum of two years off before being able to serve at most another two three-year terms. The previous used to be you could do three three-year terms consecutively with a one-year hiatus, and then you'd be able to run indefinitely after that uh, three years at a time. So Steven Spielberg is basically like the elder statesman right now of the Academy. He's probably not even the eldest statesman, but he is a huge name, right? Mm -hmm. He gets 12 years now. And you don't have to feel guilty, Hollywood and, and the Academy, about, you know, kicking Steven Spielberg to the curb or whatever, you know, glorified Hollywood icon that's been, you know, in the board of governors for 15, 20 years. You don't have to worry anymore. Now you can get new blood in there. Now you can get fresh leadership in there, new ideas. And Steven Spielberg does not have to stay in power you know, for the rest of his life on his coattails, <laughs> on his legacy, right? It doesn't have to stay that way anymore. You can get new blood in there. I made Jaws. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I think if it's, you know, if term limits work for the presidency, I think it could work for the Academy Board of Governors as well. I think that's a really good It's point. a novel idea, right? Yeah, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. We could finish up here talking about release schedule changes that happened in the past few weeks that affect the rest of 2020 and some that affect even uh, 2022 releases, Michael. Yeah, yeah, Tenet moved from July 17th to July 31st. So the big story here, Mike, is that the New York Times reported WB is trying to please Christopher Nolan. WB would like to move it until much later. You know, shit. (laughs) I mean, Christopher Nolan's been going around the country, basically, on this one-man tour, begging everyone to get their ducks in a row so Tenet could make its July 17th release date. You and I looked at each other cross-eyed when Tenet finally did move, but only moved two weeks. What the hell is moving two weeks going to do for you right now? Okay, so it's coming out July 31st, and then we see this article uh, from the New York Times that gets leaked that WB is afraid of the box office. They want to put the film further out because they think it'll be a more financially viable position. 
position. Again, duh. Uh, it, they think it'll make more money if it's moved out. And Christopher, But they need to play ball with Christopher Nolan because he's a prestige filmmaker. So I half want to make fun of Christopher Nolan right now. However, he is trying to help the movie industry. And the movie industry, because of the fact that nothing has moved quickly enough, they are all ramping up to reopen now, essentially. Like Connecticut reopens this the end of this week, right, Mike? Now maybe that maybe that is an absolute necessity for the movie theaters. And maybe I'm misspeaking here. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because movie theaters can't just stay closed for eight months or six months and they have to reopen now, just like a lot of businesses uh, in this current, current circumstance, they can't afford to stay closed. So if, if it's one of those situations where nobody can budge, then Christopher Nolan sees disaster on the horizon. He sees AMC, all those AMC stories in the news. He's, he sees the theatrical experience, which he produces for exclusively. He sees this business about to take, a, 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 you know, a blow to the head. Never mind a body blow at this point. Okay, but how much of this is Christopher Nolan being altruistic for the theater, theatrical experience? And how much of this do you think might be Christopher Nolan saying, I saved movies? If I'm Christopher Nolan, I'm playing the scores to my own movies as I think about <laughs> saving movies. I think that answers both questions, weirdly enough. But, that, but at the same time, I do think what he's doing is a good thing. I... Don't know if I, I, I'm torn. I have to, I, we're two different people. I am terrified of this virus uh, yeah. because of basically my own immune system and the immune system of those very close to me and my family. So, um, I just, I get it. I think everything you're saying is right. I understand it. And yet at the same time, I think NATO is just being stubborn in their own way. I think there's plenty of reasons and avenues for theaters to get a piece of the PVOD pie if they were willing to play ball. Well, uh, That goes for AMC and everyone else if they were willing to play ball with all the major studios. I think I, there's plenty of money out there to survive this. I think they're just being stubborn right now. I think all of that is coulda, woulda, shoulda talk, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of I told you so talk. And I, I don't disagree with you. I think they should have had more revenue streams if you're a movie theater right. by now. And the fact that it's not vertically integrated, the fact that that's not allowed means that these you know entities don't have the disposable income because it takes them so much to run their business. They don't have the disposable income to tinker with an experiment with the media. AMC had the most money. They're the biggest theater chain, right, in, in, in the U.S. Yeah. They overleveraged themselves to try and get the streaming option going to try and get the theaters updated, to try and get the subscription service going. And they, they over-leveraged themselves to the point where now they're in big trouble because they got the uh, the coronavirus at the absolute worst time for, for their business model. So, yeah, I would like to agree with you wholeheartedly. Are we headed for an inevitable second shutdown and this is all moot? Maybe. I just I think in this particular circumstance – if WB is on board and it's worth it to them to keep Christopher Nolan making movies for Warner Brothers, then my hope is that Tenet does well at the movie theaters and I don't get coronavirus and give it to you. <laughs> well, you won't because I don't plan on seeing you until 2025. So that's the Mike, Mike and Oscar Oscars initiative right now going on. <laughs> we have other schedule changes as well. Uh, since Tenant is going to stick to its July date, even though it is moving two weeks to July 31st, the next announcement was that Wonder Woman 1984 would be moved off its August 14th date again from WB, and it will debut now October 2nd instead. So let's just talk about this for a second. Wonder Woman 1984 is a billion dollar, if not a two billion dollar property if if christopher nolan had directed that there's nothing he could say to warner brothers that would say all right we're not we're moving to a better release date because that's supposed to make billions so that i, I think that's a different scenario tenant might be a 700 million dollar property if you look at you know his other movies yeah i it's get different... your point and i i think it's exactly right and i hate it uh, <laughs> Just well, how about looking out for the good of humanity instead of the good of movies? I don't know. I, it's I'm being about selfish money, right man. now. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. Ten, I know. You're right. There's ten different pop songs I want to sing to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Unhinged got moved too, Michael. Unhinged. Bill and Ted face the music. Greenland. Gerard Butler's uh, next film got got put at the end of July, and you have Greyhound 
Apple TV Plus, we're waiting for that news to drop. Greyhound is going to debut on July 10th, right up next to Palm Springs. Mike, why do they keep doing this to us? Like, we just had, like, why can't they spread these out? Like, Defy Blood should be one week. The King of yeah. Staten Island should be the next week. Yeah. Why do we have the two big, like, I want to review Palm Springs and Greyhound. I don't want them both in the same weekend. I agree, and especially since Greyhound was finished to specifically to have a theatrical release on Father's Day weekend. That's the type of movie it was angling for. I don't know why Apple TV Plus is moving it almost a full month like they are, but uh, again, I'm sure it has something to do with money, and uh, it's fake. I, I need people to understand that. Money's not real. It's a fake, it's a social construct, but I won't get off my uh, my political soapbox for this now. Mike, Let's talk about the fall. Yeah, No Time to Die <laughs> moved up five days from November 25th to November 20th. Uh, that's because Godzilla versus Kong moved out of November to May. We'll talk about more films that just moved. In that second. has to be a hit, by the way. Godzilla versus Kong. True. They need that pretty badly to save that franchise if that's going to have any other sequels coming out. So it's expected now that Soul, Pixar's Soul, is going to move into the James Bond spot. Now, is that going to happen, or is Soul going to move to February to try and you know? posture for the oscars some more i I don't know if that's going to happen anyway the final news in the fall changes is that mank will arrive on netflix in october as of yesterday that'll probably change again though right that has to change we should say this for all these movies it's probably going to change anyway why are we even doing this segment i don't know but (laughs) yeah but but mank especially has to we just uh, there were rumors that mank that mank wasn't even finished yet it's gonna be finished for october apparently no, I don't buy that. I, I disagree, is well, my final answer. The longest thing for for a David Fincher movie has got to be the shoot, right? Because he requires 74,000 takes for every setup. You think that's going to take longer than post-production? I don't know. Is he, is he Film, as anal in post-production? Going through, all, going through all those shoots to put it together? <laughs> that's a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm having horror flashbacks now to all my short films that I edited. Yeah, that's a stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've said all episode. And I've said some dumb things today. Mike, a bunch more films moved to 2021, which scares me all the more. Yeah, BIOS, that's a Tom, another Tom Hanks property that's getting an April 16th, 2021 release now. We have Peter Jackson's Beatle documentary because every famous white director apparently needs to do a Beatles documentary. Get Back, that's going to come out August 27th of 21 now. The Witches movie, from Robert Zemeckis, starring Octavia Spencer. That's going off the calendar entirely right now. That's moving from October 9th to a date of to be determined at a later date. We just talked about Godzilla and Kong. That's moving from November of 2020 to May of 2021. I actually think that might help that movie in particular. Uh, The Tom and Jerry movie is moving from December to March. And finally, uh, maybe arguably the biggest of any of these, The Matrix 4 is moving from May of 2021 almost an entire year it'll debut in april of 2022 now so this scares the ever-living shit out of me because this makes me think there's going to be a second wave that these money people who need to make money on this this is the biggest gamble of them all right you're putting your money on the line they know they're they're not going to be able to make enough money in the fall they're moving out to for for non-oscar reasons they're moving out to 2021 so i guess i should become like you and not leave the house it is it is ominous i would say that everyone seems to be abandoning the fall with with no regard for it right now because it's a relatively clean slate out there yeah right now and every big name has kind of abandoned ship here so that makes me if the studios know something we don't that we're still guessing at ourselves that would make me think that the film festivals are just gonna jump ship entirely on 2020 well but that's a that's a speculation the film festivals might be too stubborn to move, but I mean, and, and look, you still got Halloween Kills in October, and you still got the Trial of the Chicago Seven in September. I mean, I can go through the the release date schedule, and you still have a bunch of movies that we want to see holding their dates. You know, Black Widow held November, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I can keep going. So it's not like every film moved. But the fact that a bunch of them are moving, it can't just be them saying, "Oh, this is too crowded." Right. It's got to be them saying this is doomsday part two. You know, we have to move. Well, I'm just looking at Halloween kills right now. Uh, October 16th there. Yeah, it's universal, too. So that wouldn't surprise. They could always put that on demand like they just did with the King of Staten Island. Can you imagine how much they would make with that on PVOD? That was out right now. I would buy it 10 times. Just out of principle. I'm not I'm not kidding. I would spend two hundred dollars on that movie. 
I believe you, Mike. I do believe you, sir. That's it. All right. Uh, we did have one final note. Uh, I, I didn't see it there. Uh, the Eternals, February 12th. That's in the Oscars race. You touched on that earlier, though. Yeah. Uh, so that is everything that happened affecting the awards season and Oscars news. And my God, is that a lot? Hey, remember at the beginning of this, before we hit record, when we were like, is this enough for a full episode? <laughs> well, th- this is the crazy thing. All of this is probably still going to change. Yeah. Like, right. This episode is worth, you know, your time for like a week and then right. forget right. it. Listen to it now <laughs> and tell your friends because this has a, a turnover of like maybe 36 hours for it. It has the see. shelf life of sushi. <laughs> oh boy well that's that's the oscars landscape as it stands and as always fine listener uh we want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns about anything we just talked about in this episode as well as anything else we do here in the mmo empire you can as always leave us those and anything else you would like to us to see we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts and if you're still quarantining uh like i will be apparently forever after hearing all these COVID updates uh if you're letting us try to kill an hour or so of your time in quarantine a few times a week we cannot thank you enough if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on the apple podcast app those go a long way a couple people actually have done that recently we cannot thank you enough for doing so michael what are your words of wisdom and what is coming next from mmo Words of wisdom, read Ann Thompson, Scott Feinberg, Pete Hammond, and Mark Malkin. Read all of the great work done by those four trades, the Hollywood trades. Uh, they're, they're covering the hell out of these stories, and I really appreciated all their work this weekend, this afternoon. I'm sure they're going to be very busy over the coming weeks as well. In terms of what we have going forward, we have an MMOW for next week to kick that off, we think, we hope. We have a James Bond character study episode about Pierce Brosnan. That That'll drop next week, we think. And then we're going to come up with something fun after taking a few days off for the end of this week. So probably a top five episode. We batted around a few ideas. And uh, yeah, unless, you know, more news drops and we just yeah. we turning into the MMO news network. I was just going to say, take everything with a grain of salt <laughs> at this point, because things are changing on a daily basis. So we may be back here tomorrow talking about how like Seth Rogen's running for president or something. Who knows? I would vote for him. He's Canadian. He can't, right? That's I'd true. Still vote for him. He Who can't. Cares? What's the constitution? Doesn't let's, matter. let's move to Canada. <laughs> how about guys. that? How about that as a compromise? It's, it's also wise words, I think, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season, I guess, literally daily at this point without the stuffiness. Uh, we will see you very soon. See you.